Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. I know you've been standing for a while. I'm going to ask you if you will to join me in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 32. And I'm going to do a little bit more reading tonight than I normally do. But I just want to talk to you from my heart for just a moment. Or a few moments. The book of Second Chronicles chapter 32. And um, we're going to talk about the life of Hezekiah this evening. It's a very interesting story. And um, I pray that from this we can glean just a few nuggets of truth that will help us along the way. I know that we uh, like to think about life and in, in life with God when everything is grand and everything is in perfect balance. <clears throat> but I've had to serve the Lord through a few storms. Amen. And I want to talk about I want to talk about that this evening. Second Chronicles chapter <clears throat> thirty two, verse number twenty seven. And Hezekiah had exceeding much riches and honor. And he made himself treasuries. Of, for silver and for gold and for precious stones and for spices and for shields and for all manner of pleasant jewels. Storehouses also for the increase of corn and wine and oil and stalls for all manner of beasts and coats of flocks. Moreover, he provided him or he built for himself cities and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance. For God had given him substance very much. Or God had given him very much substance. We're not just talking about somebody that's a little well off. Not someone that's not worried about next month's bills. We're talking a man that that built cities for himself, not just barns. And then storehouses for increase of things. God had given him substance very much. This same Hezekiah also stopped up the upper water course of Gion and brought it straight down to the west side of the city of David. And Hezekiah prospered in all his works. Howbeit, verse 31 says, in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon who was sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land, God left him to try him that he might know all that was in his heart. In the, in the middle of all of the wonder and the beauty and the blessings and it says even when ambassadors and the princes of Babylon had been sent to him to inquire just what manner of man are you, Hezekiah, in the midst of all of this, not just wealth, but notoriety. 
The Bible says that God left him. And that, that tonight is what I want to speak about when God leaves. When God leaves. Amen. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for the precious promises of your word. They're unchanging. We can't alter them. We can't change them. We thank you, Lord, for the word and the hope and the promises upon which we build our lives and those promises that we cling to. I pray, God, that the word tonight that we speak of will be a firm foundation and a sure footing for everyone in this house and help us to realize, God, that you are almighty and powerful and your arm is always able to reach and minister to us. And I pray your word to our heart tonight in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I, I was listening in, to the words of the song that we were singing just a few moments ago. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You give and take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's exciting to sing about that, but my mind went back to the reality of the birthplace of that song. The birthplace of that song was in the throes of one of the darkest moments in the life of a man by the name of Job. A man who had so much and yet lost so much. But he was a man that not only served God for the seasons of prosperity, but he was a man that served God because he was God. And so when he lost everything, the Bible says that he just said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I, I'm not here tonight in my very best preacher voice gonna try to be able to explain nor comprehend how Job was able to wrap his mind and his spirit around everything that he lost and yet be able to say the Lord gives and the Lord taketh away Amen, but I'm gonna bless his name. I'm gonna trust in him. My faith is not going to waver. I'm going to put my trust in him. The, the word revival in our day, in our Pentecostal vernacular, I think most people understand what we mean when we say revival. When I talk about revival, I'm not just referring to a series of services or a meeting with consecutive services or a guest speaker but the spirit of revival. I love the spirit of revival. I, uh, I really do. I really appreciate the presence of the Lord and the moving of his spirit. And uh, I, I'm not just addicted to one side of revival in the sense that I like it when it's all high and, and it's all loud and it's all fast. But I also like the, the wooing and the moving of the presence and the spirit of God. I, I, I love the presence of the Lord, whether we are singing a fast song or whether we're singing a slow song. I just love the spirit of liberty. When I say revival, that's what I'm talking about, the spirit of liberty and the freedom that God's presence brings. The Bible says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I've, I've been where there was no liberty. I've been where there was no spirit of the Lord and there was just a binding and a gnawing and a churning and so I really enjoy when I feel the presence of the Lord and the liberating power of God. I love it when we can feel the overwhelming presence of the Lord. I, I don't think he would mind me mentioning this, but 
Sunday morning as our service began, I was, uh, I was standing over behind the piano and, and uh, they were just doing their opening song. As a matter of fact, were just a few words into their opening song. I had put my hand on Brother Boyette's shoulder and, and just said something like good morning or whatever and the song began to, began, they began to play and begin to sing and worship and I heard him say something. I thought he was responding to uh, maybe something I had said or was asking me something, but the music was going, the speakers were going. And so I leaned down and I said, excuse me. And he said, well, I didn't know I said that out loud or something like that. I didn't mean to say it out loud, but he said, he just said, I, I said something like, wow, the presence of the Lord. I don't, I don't, I just can't get over something to this nature, the feeling of the presence of God. I, and I, I, I just have to agree with that, even in his absence, just, just a few words into the song, just a few notes into the, into the song and you just feel the power and the presence of God. I, I wanna say wow. <laughs> I wanna feel wow whether I say it or not. The, the feel, the presence of God. I love those seasons where it just seems like God's moving mightily through various ministries of the church and whatever that may be, whether it's the local church. I love the good reports of our outreach ministries and our inreach ministry and music and Sunday school, children, youth, and many other ministries that we have going on. I enjoy the, the, the good reports that we receive from that from time to time. It's always good to sense that God is doing something beyond just what we are doing right here and now. And so I, I enjoy hearing what's going on in our children's ministry or what may be happening in the lives of our youth or uh, those various things. I, I enjoy feeling and experiencing the move of God in any facet. I enjoyed just a few weeks ago uh, the ministry of our men's conference in, in Ocala and how the Spirit of the Lord moved and every message and and uh, while I want to say that every one of those messages were for me, and I want to thank Brother Woodward in case he ever listens to this message, I want to thank him personally for flying all the way down to just to preach to me. That's how I felt. But when I looked across that vast audience, I realized in a moment of time, I wasn't the only one that felt that way because I saw literally hundreds of other men that were connecting not just to the beat of the drum and not just to uh, the momentum of the service, but they were connecting to the ministry and the power of God. I'm thankful for things like that. And so I love revival. I was thankful this year, un unable to go to our ladies' conference and, and um, I just go to the ladies' conference because of my wife. I don't go there because I'm confused. But I was unable to go last week, but I, I was very thankful for the consistent reports that just kept coming Thursday and Friday and Friday night and Saturday of, of some 2,000 ladies that were gathered together and just worshiping the Lord. Just the, the power and the spirit of revival, those things excite me. And I, I, wanna, I, I always want to be moved and impacted by those things. However, Revival in that sense or in that, in, that, in that measure has never been and probably will never be a consistent thing. Amen. I love the power and the liberty and the freedom of God. But you know, every now and then, we come into this church and I'm not saying we don't feel the presence of the Lord, but every now and then, we just kind of start off on the left foot 
And every now and then we end on the left foot. Amen. Not just trying to hang all our laundry in the front yard, but that's just how it goes. And it just seems like, and this is no reflection against musicians or singers or any participant, but it just seems like that we were never able to quite find the groove. And I have found times that I walked to this pulpit and I myself just felt like at the end of it all, you just didn't get out what you had to say the way you felt like you had it in your heart. And uh, every preacher or minister in the house certainly ought to at least nod your head this way. Those times that that it just seems like it's not like what we want it to be. And, and uh, I think maybe there's a lot of reasons for that, but I, I believe that in part that the Lord knows that we are emotional by nature and that we base a lot of things in our lives on how we feel. When we are asked the question, how are you doing today? Many times our response is relegated to how we feel at that moment. If we are up, all things are well. That doesn't mean everything is okay, but that's just how we feel, and so our response is very positive. If we are down, that's how we feel, and uh, that may be how our response, what our response is built off of, not necessarily being accurate that everything in our life is wrong, but we are very emotional, and so if we're not careful, our human emotions can really trick us. They are very, very fickle. Amen, amen. It's our emotions that can dictate whether or not we're going to have a good day or a bad day. And, and w- once the enemy of our soul really learns how driven we are by our emotions, we had better prepare ourselves for spiritual warfare. Amen, I've been around people who were on top of the world in the morning. And you had to search under the rug to find them by nightfall. And to some degree, this is where we all participate now, and to some degree, we have all been there. We have all been there. When it just seemed like the day couldn't have started any better, and then somewhere along the line, life just broadsided us without warning, without, without fear, without favor. Life just come marching in, and our lives just begin to spiral out of control, and And I realize that as I said a moment ago, we've all experienced days like that, but that has to be the exception and not the rule because I have to learn to live by the promises of God rather than the erratic state that my emotions can be in. Amen. I I don't always feel the urgency and the power and and the unction to pray, but I know prayer is the right thing. And it just seems like some days reading the word of God is so inspirational and it's just so insightful. And then there are other days, then there are other days (laughs) where you just can't seem to make sense. You read the same three verses 14 times and you still have no idea what was going on. I've said from uh, those who maybe minister can understand this or Uh, To some degree, I said sometimes you can just scarcely move the Bible from one side of the coffee table to the other without two sermons just falling right out. And other times you can't shake all 66 of those books hard enough to even get a thought, much less a sermon. Strange how how life can be that way, but I've got to make sure that I don't build my life 
around what I feel in that moment. But I've got to rather build my life on the promises of God that are yea and amen. I've got to stay away as much as possible with everything in me. I've got to stay away from that emotional roller coaster ride. I can tell you from experience, and I think others can agree with me that that can take a hard toll on us. I've got to stay close to the promises of God, and I have to hold to his unchanging hand promises that were provided for us by the Lord. And so I've got to lay my hand on a fevered brow, and I've got to say, Lord, I'm praying, not by my faith alone, but your word declares that by, my, by your stripes that I am healed. And, and so I'm standing here not on some fragile promise or some fragile maybe, but we are standing here on the promises of you, Lord, and they are true. They are true. Just yesterday, and I'm testifying, I'm not boasting, there's nothing to boast of in this, but just yesterday, I... Uh, went to see Sister O'Neill and Bird in the hospital and she had been admitted the afternoon before and when I went into the hospital room, uh, we were talking just a little bit and, and uh, I, we, we kind of came to that moment where it was time to pray and I'm just gonna be honest with you, no angels flew into the room. There was no bright light that filled the room. People didn't come running from down the hall to see what was going on but I just held her hand and I said, Lord, I'm asking you not just to honor her, her, I'm not asking you just to honor her faith, but I'm asking you to honor her faithfulness because this is not just a ritual. This is not just something we're going through. This is not the sprinkling of some holy water, so to speak, but we're, we're holding on to your promise. There was no choir in the background. There was no ham and organ in the background. There, there was, no, there was no, uh, no church atmosphere, but we were just standing on the promises of the Lord. I received a phone call today and they and they just they there was there were some things going on in her life. There were some things going on in her body at that particular time. And and she refused some tests because she said, I just don't feel like that I'm up to it. And they said, Well, let us just run one more scan to make sure. And when they did that today, what was there yesterday was gone. Amen. And so it was just proof to me. And it ought to be proof to us that I, I don't have to fall out in the floor for God's word to be true. I didn't feel anything wave over me. I didn't feel anything sweep over me. I, I, if there's any such thing as just praying a routine prayer, we prayed a routine prayer. But the word of God is true. And so I have to realize that whether I feel God do something or not, I am standing on his word. I'm standing on his promises. So that's what I gotta hold on to. That is what I have to build my life around. I've gotta make sure that when I'm laying the footer, I've gotta dig it deep and I've got to dig it wide. I love reading the book of Isaiah. I love the various passages, but I certainly love how many times the Lord begins to speak through the mouth of Isaiah and say things like, fear thou not, for I am with thee. I, you may have heard me tell this story before, but it was so inspirational to me several years ago. A, a man who had spent his life working the railroad, rough cut man, had never really had a lot of health issues and 
and he was a man that really didn't like to go to doctors and didn't like all the frills and all the things that go along with that and several people can relate to that even sitting here tonight. But he found himself nevertheless in need of surgery and so here is this man that was used to working and a very hard and calloused hands and sunburned brow. Now he finds himself in a sterile environment. He finds himself so far out of his element he can't even comprehend. And whenever he was laying on the gurney about to go into surgery, a nurse walked by and she sensed his unease. She sensed what he was going through and she just leaned over to him and she said, sir, Whenever you get into the operating room and they move you over to the operating table, she said, I want you to look over to your right. I want you to read the inscription on the wall. And when that man got into the operating room, he remembered the words of that nurse. And he looked over there and someone had been conscientious enough to inscribe some scriptures from Isaiah on those walls. And so the men and women who were about to go under and face no telling what, there was one last reminder that you don't have anything to fear for I am with you. I am holding your hand. Isaiah says things like be not dismayed for I am God. I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will uphold thee with my right hand. I love reading Isaiah 45 and 1 where he says, I'm gonna hold your right hand and I'm gonna go with you and I'll make the crooked places straight and I'll, I'll tear down the gates of brass and the gates of iron. I am God and I will be with you. Oh, that's exciting. Still, no matter how positive I may be, life and life's problems will at times hit us hard. As an example of that, I want us to look at the life of Hezekiah. That was my introduction, by the way. I'm teasing you. Look at the life of Hezekiah for just a, a few moments. And I want you to watch the progression of things that are taking place in his life. The Bible talks about the riches of his reign, the treasuries of silver and gold and precious stones spices and shields and all manner of pleasant jewels. Special storehouses that were especially built and designed to hold the abundance, the increase of the corn and the wine and the oil. The scripture even is so specific to state that there were even stalls that were built for all manner of beasts. Man, the Bible says in verse 28 of what we had read a few moments ago that, that cities were provided for Hezekiah. He had possessions of flocks and herds in abundance. And then the verse ends by saying that God had given him substance very much. The Bible says that Hezekiah stopped up the water course of Guyon and then move the water flow to a better with a better design to a different location. If you study that and read that, you can find where Hezekiah had, uh, had learned how to pipe the water down from the side of the mountain in a better fashion. So not only was he a, a man that was a man of great wealth and not only was he a brilliant leader, but Hezekiah was a great inventor as well. The ultimate description of his blessings, however, comes when the scripture says, and Hezekiah prospered in all his works. Just whatever 
He put his hand to. You know, we say it today that whatever they touch just turns to gold. You ever met people like that? Amen. I've met people like that. I've also lived on the other side of that fence myself. Even the princes of Babylon, the Bible says, sent ambassadors to inquire and wonder at all that was done in the land. There was not just wealth and it was not just fame and there was not just supply and cities and beasts and wine and oil and, and corn, but there was notoriety that princes would send ambassadors to go down and just see what this man's doing because we want to emulate that in our lives. We want to figure out what he's doing. We could just, if, if we could just stop the frame right there, if we could just hit the pause button, and stop right there. It would just seem like a wonderful, wonderful story. But if we continue to read, this is where his life starts unfolding. Right in the middle of all of these blessings, seemingly out of the middle of nowhere and with no warning whatsoever, verse 31 states, and God left him. Wow. And God left him. Now I realize that the scriptures teach us that God will never leave us nor forsake us. And so I don't think that's what the passage of scripture is referring to here. I don't think this was God forsaking Hezekiah. But God just left him to try him, to see what he was really made of, what, what is really in your heart. And that was a spiritual test just to kind of look at the ingredients and the depth and the measure of what really made up the man, Hezekiah. Now, there's one thing I know. If I, I don't know a lot, but there's one thing I do know. I don't ever want the Spirit of God to leave me. But I have. I have experienced, and I don't think I'm alone, but I have experienced those seasons of time where I just felt like there was a great chasm between God and I. It just... I knew his word was true. I knew his promises were true. And, and I have been in services and I'm not just trying to talk about me tonight. I'm talking about me in hopes that you can find yourself there as well. But I've been in services where, where it was evident other people were feeling the presence of the Lord. And I was standing there and I felt a million miles removed. I've had experiences in those similar experiences in those seasons of times where, where maybe even the service leader got up and said, isn't it great to feel the presence of the Lord? And I was a little hesitant to say amen because I wasn't sure I had felt the presence of the Lord. <laughs> We're kind of getting right down where we live, nestling in right among our business here this evening. Times in my life where I felt that God was nowhere to be found. I couldn't find him when I read his word. I couldn't feel him when I prayed. and I didn't altogether have that, that uh, epiphany when I was in, even in a service, a corporate worship, but that presence of the Lord that just seemed so evident everywhere around me. And, 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 and it was right in that moment of blessing, it just seemed like God just maybe just pulled up the stakes and walked out of Hezekiah's life. It just had to, had to somehow mess with his mind. It had to, had to somewhere get right down where he's living because we're emotional people. <laughs> and, and, and you can be having a wonderful day and somebody just not respond 
to you right. And then all of a sudden, that wonderful day now starts breaking apart and fragmenting because we're very emotional people. And we can be all down and out and somebody hug us or send an encouraging word and that can just be a real pick-me-up, amen? I remember the days before email and text messages and, and all the quick communications that we have in social media. When, when you open the mailbox and get a card. I can remember when you got a card with a stamp on it that had to be licked. <laughs> now we're going way back now, way, way back. But you, you, you get that word that may just be short, it may be concise, but the fact that someone was thinking about you could change the complexion. I, I, I don't want my life to just be, to be guided by those things, but nevertheless, we are human and those things affect us in a very real way. I mean, I, I have wondered and been bewildered when you couldn't feel the presence of God. It just seemed like when everything was all right, everything was okay, that the Lord just moved out of our lives and distanced himself. Am I preaching to anybody tonight that the Lord just kind of just kind of pulled his hand back for, for whatever reason? The Lord just kind of took a couple of steps back and there we were. Now, now I want to sing whether I can feel his presence or not. Now I've been called on to preach whether you really feel that unction or that presence or not. And that, that, that drive to just go back one, one more time, to just hit one more time because we know it's the right thing to do. Not because it's what we feel, but we're gonna go back to the promises that God had given Isaiah that I am with you and I'm gonna hold you up and I'm going to establish your steps. God left him to try him. It was though the Lord was really asking Hezekiah a question and that is simply put, do you really appreciate what I have done in your life? And I think that's a question that we all need to answer. Do we really appreciate what God has done in our lives? When the Lord just seems to walk away and walk out, he's really just trying us to see what we're made of and if we really do appreciate his presence. I mean, it's in those times, it's in those times that I must be very diligent in my walk with God. And there are some things that I have better have those things nailed down really well, really well. I've often said you don't, you, you don't need a fire escape plan when the house is going up in flames. You need a fire escape plan long before that day ever arrives. There are some things in our lives that we better nail them down. We better make sure, make their, make sure that they are, that they're all in the right place. Because when the Spirit of God distances Himself from us, when we walk through seasons like that, I better make sure I've got some things already settled in my heart. I, I need to make sure of some things. Amen. I, I've got to make sure my mind is already made up long before the going gets tough that when the tough gets going when the going gets tough I'm going to hold on to his unchanging hand amen I, I know that when the spirit of the Lord may try me that's not going to be the day that I stop going to the house of worship but that's going to be the day that I go anyway not because it feels so wonderful not because it lifts me from a low place and sets me on a high place 
but I'm gonna go to the house of the Lord because it's the right thing to do. And when I get there, I'm gonna worship him. Amen, I've gotta nail that down now. I've gotta establish those things in my life now and so that I don't just get so emotional that I worship when I feel like it and I don't when I don't. Amen, that I come to church and serve him when I feel like it and stay at home when I don't. I've gotta get these issues settled in my heart now. I gotta settle that now. You gotta let let the Lord know that I'm not building my life on emotion, but I'm building my life on a promise. Amen. I'm going to serve the Lord. Be faithful. Amen. Even when it feels like that he has distanced himself from me. No matter what kind of relationship we experience in life or we're involved in in life, you always have seasons, whether that's on your job, in school, whatever, whatever relationship, friend, even relationships we have with our friends. Sometimes you're a wonderful thing to have those good friends, and other times it can be really trying to maintain those friendships. And sometimes in marriages, it's just it's a, it's a little bit tougher walking than it is other seasons of our lives. You go through seasons of time, but you just keep marching. You gotta have some things nailed down. So I wanna now turn our attention to Hezekiah, the life of Hezekiah, but in the book of Isaiah, I wanna turn to chapter 38, if you will, in verse 10. And if you don't have a Bible, just follow along with us here on the screen. And when you turn to the 38th chapter of Hezekiah, when you get down to about uh, verse 9, verses 9 and 10, we're going to start reading at verse 10. Uh, verse 9 says this, the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and was recovered of his sickness. And so this is, this is Hezekiah on the other side of the storm, so to speak. Verse number 10, he says, I said in the cutting off of my days, I shall go to the gates of the grave. I am deprived of the residue of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord, even the Lord, in the land of the living. I shall behold no man more with the inhabitants of the world. Mine age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. I have cut off like a weaver of my life. He will cut me off with pining sickness from day even to night without making an end of me. I reckoned till morning that as a lion, so will he break all my bones from day even to night. Wilt thou make an end of me? Like a crane or a swallow, so did I chatter and mourn, did mourn as a dove. Mine eyes fell with looking upward. O oh Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. What shall I say? He hath both spoken unto me and himself hath done it. I shall go softly all my years in the bitterness of my soul. Verse 16 says, O Lord, by these things men live and and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So wilt thou recover me and make me to live. Behold, for peace I have great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Think about that. 
for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. For, he said, the scripture says, behold, for peace I had great bitterness. Thou hast cast all my sins behind my back. Hezekiah making his way out. If we drop down as our musicians come, as we drop down to verse number 18, Hezekiah says this, for the grave cannot praise thee, death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. But if we go to verse 20, he said, the Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, will we will sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. Amen. What Hezekiah was trying to say is that no matter how alone I may have felt or no matter how destitute I may have felt, the Lord was ready to save me. Amen. The promises. When in the midst of all the wonder, in the midst of all the beauty, it just seemed like the hand of the Lord had lifted and Hezekiah was alone. He had a great revelation through all of that that the Lord was ready to save me. He didn't leave me to destroy me. He left me to try me. He didn't leave me to crush me. He left me to strengthen me. Every parent in this house has had to at some point let go of the hand of the toddler learning to walk knowing the fear they were going to experience and even the possible small injuries they may experience. But a parent didn't leave a child to laugh at their failure, to mock their stumbling steps. A, a parent didn't leave a child to watch them be injured and relish in that moment. But a parent realized that at some point there's never going to be a time in their life that they're not going to need that hand again. Even in their adulthood. Maybe not necessarily to establish their steps. But they're going to need that guiding hand. But for now, I'm going to pull it away. Because you must learn how to do this on your own. Amen. And so what I'm talking about tonight, I guess, simply is this, is that we have to learn how to live between Sunday and Wednesday. <laughs> Spirit of the Lord, Sunday, my goodness. I just left this building Sunday and just all afternoon and Monday and yesterday was just thinking about the spirit and the power and the presence of the Lord. Just had to write a few things my own self about that experience. But you know what? No matter how wonderful Sunday was, it is forever gone. So Monday I had to realize, what am I going to do now? I got to learn how to walk. I got to learn how to be faithful and trust him amen I've got to learn how to serve him amen and so when the Lord leaves when he 
walks away to try us. I want to realize that he's not forsaken me. I'm going to keep my hand in his. Let's stand together. Why don't we gather around the front? Can we do that? And let's just magnify the Lord together in this place. Amen. I pray God would just seal the word in our heart. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.